In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, we are back. We are in a new spot. We got flooded out of our old spot. This is the first podcast we're actually recording from our new place. Flooded out with poo water, by the way. Flooded out with poo water. But Nicole, you know what we can't do? What? We can't take it personally. (laughs) That is the theme of this episode, and that is the world's worst segue, but we're going to go with it. Because we did want to talk about this. I feel like we've been hearing this a lot. And I think this is something that we need to talk a little bit about on the clinical side of don't take things personally with your patients. Yeah. You know, when I am hearing from you all on DMs and even our staff a little bit sometimes and from the people in the Pelvic PT Rising Mentorship family, there are a lot of us that will take a patient's words and reflect on them and take it personally. And a good example, right, is that someone comes back and says, like, I'm not getting that much better. And automatically, we turn in words and are like, what am I doing so wrong? What am I must not be a good therapist? I must be missing something. All of these things. Right. And we see that as, you know, the the signs of that are that you start to feel inadequate or you feel really defensive. Yeah, the opposite of that is that you go and you're like, well, that can't possibly be me, right? Both ends of this spectrum are not great. You either automatically go to, I suck and I don't know anything and I just only took pelvic floor one, so I must, of course, be doing something wrong, to almost patient blaming where you get defensive and you're like, well, that person is a moron or an idiot, or they were the ones that did that thing. And of course, it's that, the thing that they did that I told them not to do, but they did it anyways. And you start to get really defensive and blame your patient, basically, before you actually really decipher like what is actually happening. I actually feel like that's the reason you get so mad when we dismiss patients as non-compliant. Like that might be a lot of what's going on there. It's like, hey, it can't be me as a therapist, It's the fact they're not doing what I told them to do, or they're not bought in, or they aren't doing their exercises. They're not making the time. By the way, just have you guys ever been hurt yourselves? I will never forget this. I actually tore my ACL for the second time when I was in PT school. And I think that to this day, that was one of the best things that has ever happened to me. We were going through, I think we were in like our therapeutic exercise class or something with ortho we were talking about. I think we were even talking maybe about patient quote unquote compliance And you would think, right, I had nothing but time. I was in PT school, so I would should have been the most motivated person to do my stupid short art quads and my whatever else I was supposed to be doing for my beginning ACL rehab. And 
for I sometimes just like straight up didn't feel like it. I didn't want to be hurt. I didn't want to have to think about my knee every damn time. I almost couldn't finish my clinical because of this surgery. Like there were a lot of things wrapped up in that surgery where I was like, I do not want to do this. And meanwhile, I was going to class and we were getting taught all about patient compliance. And it seriously irked me. And I, to this day, we are not allowed at public sanity to say a patient's non-compliant. Like that is like nails on a chalkboard to me. And I think it's because some of this stuff that we're talking about, really what that means is a lot of times we're taking things personally and flipping that stuff around and blaming the patient. And what the patient's really saying when they're coming back and saying like, I didn't do the exercises is that either I don't understand why I'm having to do this. Sometimes it's just like, I didn't have time and I'm not prioritizing it. And that's not necessarily our fault either. That just needs to be a meet the patient where they are and figure out a different way to motivate them. There are a lot of different variabilities in like the way that we can go about somebody saying that they're, you know, just didn't do the stuff. One of those things should not be getting defensive. And I think if you really take a look at deep inward look about why you're reacting a certain way to what people are saying to you, a lot of times it's we are getting defensive. Like, like we think they're blaming us when they're just giving us information. Right. And this is the kind of stuff that leads to anxiety and burnout and perseverating about your problem patients and taking it home. Like we see this. The, the temptation, at least in our staff, we see it in the rising family. We see it from all of you guys who are talking with us. It's it's a real challenge. And I feel like it's one of those two sides of the coin, right, where we can't really separate the positive and the negative side. Like what the reason that you guys are listening to this podcast is because you give a damn, right? You want to be better. You're putting in time outside of work, probably, to be better. Hopefully and you're not listening to this I was with your say, earbuds at work. With like a patient on the table. Get to do this on your pubococcygeus. And then like also Jesse and Nicole are right in my ear. Right. No, don't, don't be defensive. Do <laughs> right. But this is, I mean, this is the, the other side of the coin, the negative side of that coin is the fact that you really care about what you're doing. But how do you not take that personally? How do you not take that home? How do you reduce the negative side of that? And so this is something that comes from the four agreements one of Nicole's favorite books. We're going to put a link to that down in the show notes if you guys haven't actually read this. It's a really short read, but it's really insightful. And well, I think this is the first agreement, right? Is don't take things personally. It is actually the second, Jesse. Ah. Maybe you should read Re- some things. Reread. So anyways, this, you guys, this is a book called The Four Agreements. It's by Don Miguel Ruiz. It is awesome. I've read it multiple times. Uh, it's always a work in progress, which he also says in the introduction here. The Four Agreements... One of them is be impeccable with your word. The second one is don't take anything personally. Third, don't make assumptions. Fourth, always do your best. But I'm going to read you a little bit of an excerpt out of the one that says don't take anything personally because this is really where it's at with the way that we deal with patients that are in flares, patients that aren't progressing, patients that are hitting plateaus, and even sometimes a little bit at work with your bosses. It goes into your family life too, but definitely something we should take into account. So One of the things that it says in here is that, so what causes you to be trapped in this taking things personally is what we call personal importance. Personal importance or taking things personally is the maximum expression of selfishness because we make the assumption that everything is about me. 
during the period of our education or our domestication, we learn to take everything personally. We think we're responsible for everything. Me, 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 always me. But nothing other people do is because of you. It's always because of themselves. All people live in their own dream, their own mind. They are in a completely different world from the one we live in. When we take something personally, we make the assumption that they know what's in our world and we try to impose our world on theirs. And that's really, I think, profound in this situation. And if that's why I highly agree you read the whole book. But when we take things personally, we're assuming that things are about me. I'm doing something wrong or I told you and you didn't listen to me kind of a situation. And we just need to get that out of our vocabulary. We need to get that out of our mind. We need to get that out of our actions. And we need to look and just listen to patients and then make an action according to what we think the actual issue is. And so we can see this crop up in a couple, we're going to give you some more of the extreme examples where this is like really becomes apparent. But one of the easiest places to see this is when somebody flares, somebody walks in the door and says, I did that thing that you told me and I'm so much worse. Yeah. We've all been there, you guys. And it's scary and it sucks. And the patient rightly or wrongly, doesn't matter, right, is saying that they're blaming you for something that they did, whether it's something as simple as something that could have never caused that flare, or it was something that you potentially gave them with, it's like, "Ah, I don't really know if this is going to cause a flare. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Maybe they implemented something incorrect and are flaring. But bottom line is that they're coming back and they're saying, that sucked, you caused that flare. And So how do we not take that personally? (laughs) So we have to, at the same time, look within, right? Because it's not, we cannot go immediately to defensiveness. That defensiveness here is really fear that we're going to, by taking responsibility, that we're going to admit our fault and they're going to do something bad because of that, right? Sue us, tell on our boss, write a negative review, something negative is going to come out of that. And really at the end of the day, what ends up happening, if you just take that ownership of that and just take it as statement of fact, like you are flaring, that is true. You're flaring after you did something that I told you to do. It doesn't matter if there's a bunch of things in between there yet. That's true in their reality. Therefore, we need to meet them where they are and just say, okay, let's think about, let's Come at it with a a space of curiosity. Let's figure this out. Let's figure it out together. Let's backtrack. Let's see, like take their word for face value and just immediately turn around to total curiosity because the fact of the matter is, is that it could be you (laughs) and it could also just as equally not be you. But at the point when they're in a flare, it doesn't freaking matter and trying to navigate that with thinking that it's our fault, with thinking that it's their fault, doesn't do anybody any good. It just needs to be, you're in a flare, fact. You think it happened because of something I did, fact. And now where are we going to go from here? I love that idea of, of curiosity and not fear or defensiveness. Like approaching that with like genuine curiosity. Like it genuinely could have been what you did manually. It generally could have been what you did in giving them a a home program, it could have been something you didn't do and not telling them not to do something that you knew. I mean, 
maybe they're a big bike rider and you didn't tell them like, hey, if you do that, that might be something that flares that up. Yeah, I mean, man. whatever that is. There's just too many variables too to like really take it personally at all, right? It's not something that you did or didn't do. It's just something that happened. Like that's it. And now I will say that independently of all of that, independently of the conversation that you have with your patient, you know, you do have to look and see like, dang it, like, did I not prescribe that correctly? Did I not pay attention to the central sensitization of that patient? Did I not warn them properly? Like, where else could you have done better? But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're inadequate or you're a bad therapist. Or And I think that that's where the, the line is. Like, where, what can be better versus what did I do wrong is a better way to look at somebody that is in flare. Even at the point when they are completely blaming you for all the things and even getting icky, right? And not coming back. It's like, you've just got to own it at some point and that's okay. I feel like negativity biases at play a little bit with some of that stuff too, right? always say negativity biases at play. I do. But I (laughs) mean, you could have, if you had eight patients that day and seven of them came in and are like, hey, I'm doing really great. I'm so excited about this. This is fantastic. And one of them comes in and says, you flared me. I can't believe this. Are you going home feeling happy or are you feeling sad that day? Yeah, you're feeling super sad and and pissed off and like, why am I even doing this? And I mean, I get all of those real feelings that happen because of this. Yeah, that's, that is true, right? You're thinking that they're getting more real estate in your brain than the people that are doing awesome. But you still can't take it personally when you do something well, awesome actually, either, actually. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to see if I can find this really quick. But in the second agreement of that, it it's that he does talk about, even if somebody says you're amazing, you shouldn't, like, you don't take things personally either way. Positive or negative, right. We can't, right, you don't get to be a, take everything personally when somebody is doing well and writes you a good review and then (laughs) yeah, you don't get to do that either because it's not about you. And I think that that's something that I know Nicole talks about all the times with these. Another one, while Nicole looks for that, is that when somebody's not progressing, it's it's a kind of a similar thing, right? Of somebody walks in the door and says, you know, hey, I'm not getting any better. It's been five weeks. Like, I'm still feeling the same. What do I do? Oh, yeah, man, I got it. it. Okay, it says, whatever people do, feel, think, or say, don't take it personally. Even if they tell you how wonderful you are, they're not saying that because of you. You know you're wonderful. It's not necessary to believe other people who tell you that you are wonderful. Don't take it anything personally which is hard to do too right how many times does it feel amazing like with that like positive review or somebody that that says like oh my gosh your book changed my life and all of that i freaking post that shit on instagram i don't post our negative reviews on instagram except for we did do a podcast on negative reviews where we read them which was actually pretty funny the book ones would be good ones too. No solution here. <laughs> yeah, no, right. The IC solution. No solution here. Right? And the, the, you want to get defensive. You want to be like, well, that person's a freaking idiot. Do they even know how to read? Like, they clearly don't even understand. And that's not the right way to, to look at that. Right. Don't get defensive. Don't cool. get, don't think of it. You're inadequate. Don't take anything personally. Now, what if somebody's not progressing? Nicole, it's been five weeks and I'm not feeling any better. I'm still peeing 10 times a day. Yeah, I think this is a where, again, you could just come at this with curiosity. We talked about someone flares and they're blaming you, but what happens when someone just straight up isn't getting better like how you expect? 
first thing with that, right, how you expect, are your setting, are your expectations correct? And this is where clinical mentorship can be really important too, because I think there's a lot of when you first get out of the pelvic floor one courses and you haven't been treating pelvic floor people for very long, then it's difficult to kind of predict, right? You might not be predicting correctly. So it might not be that they're progressing. It might just be that you set poor expectations for yourself and or the patient. And that's what the problem is. But the first thing I want you to look at is that is just ask the question, is it true? And there's a lot of times when, again, if you take back these words of Don Miguel Ruiz, like, They're in their own reality. Patients are in their own reality. They can come back and say, I'm not getting better. And we have to sometimes take them out of that reality, create a new one for them and be like, is that really true? Let's examine that. I cannot tell you how many times, especially for the people that we treat that are in chronic pain, change is minimal. Change is a little bit over a long period of time. And sometimes it's hard to see the forest from the trees with that. So how many times have I gotten back out there evaluation? And I said, I'm going to read you something that you wrote six months ago. And I'm going to make you remember that you got driven here in the back of your car from your parents because you couldn't sit in the front seat. Like the fact that you're even driving to your appointment now is like, massive amount of progress. So sure, maybe from last week to this week, you still feel the same five out of 10 pain, but the bigger picture is what the reality actually is. And so we have to help patients paint their new reality and not get stuck in their old one. So first thing to ask, is it true? And really just don't give up on that too early. Don't give up on your patient too early. You need to set your expectations correctly so that you can tell them that they're going to be seeing minimal change over a period of time, or maybe not minimal change, but you're going to set them up to see the change that you need them to see over X amount of time and help them to change focus and look at improvement can be the decrease of negative things, but also the implementation of positive things. You're doing more things now. You're driving yourself to your appointment. You are able to do your stretches without needing to go into bed afterwards. Like there's a lot of ways that we can help people see that they actually are progressing. But if we immediately have someone come in and say like, hey, I'm not really getting that better and you immediately go into, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? And change your course of treatment when that actually was helping them, that can be a problem just as bad as anything else we've talked about. You're now changing the course of treatment because one person said one thing one week and you feel inadequate. Therefore, you're going to change your entire trajectory of that person's plan of care because one day they came in and were like, I don't know if I'm any better. Like we Or don't- send them back to their doctor, right? A lot yeah, of times that that's is- the other piece of like, hey, I'm feeling inadequate. I can't get this person better. It's again, that's me, 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 right? Oh, they need to go back to their physician. Oh, they need to get their pain calmed down before they come in here. Oh, they need yes. something else. Dude, that's like the one. We need to talk about that on a different podcast. If you are treating somebody in chronic pain and you tell them they need to get their pain calmed down before they can see you better, that is that you should take that personally. 
You should look at that. That is not what we are here for. Undo Anyways. this whole podcast. Yes, right. Undo right. it all. Right. But that's it's not like, what we're here for, you guys. Seriously. No. Like, we can't, we can't get you better until you're better. What? Mm. Doesn't make any sense. Anyways, okay. But so if someone's not progressing, right, again, meet it with, number one, ask if is it true. Number two, meet it with curiosity and really try to figure out, like, is this what we expect? Are my expectations not 100% correct? Do we just need to have a different conversation to help them get into accept their new reality? And it's just a lot of times this is all about communication. And sometimes, you guys, this is about patient personality too. I have a patient who is kind of an Eeyore. I mean, I really just believe he laughs sometimes and stuff like that, but he kind of just is an Eeyore. He's not particularly depressed, but he's just a little bit of a wah-wah, like, oh, don't, you know, I'm not getting that much better. Oh, I saw a little bit of improvement. And one of the biggest challenges for me has been to reframe for him what does getting better look like? What does coming into the first five minutes of our session and being like, I do need to know the things, but also like, let's pick a one thing that was also good because you don't want to necessarily only want somebody to come in and tell you the good things, right? You do want to know if a patient feels like they're not progressing and you want to know if they're actually not progressing. But sometimes it's a little bit of patient personality too. And especially if you are one of those people who is a little bit more like upbeat and sees the bright side of every coin and everything like that, and you have a patient that doesn't match that, again, a lot of times you can get really like thinking like inadequate, you can get defensive, you can immediately try to blame them. Well, they are never going to get better than if you have that type of an attitude. And that is where we start to place a lot of judgment on people because we're feeling weird about how they're acting. Yes. I mean, that seems like it would be a huge challenge, right? Of that so what do you do if you do have somebody who's more, it's, you feel like it's really more personality, like that person, I mean, that co- person could have won the lottery and they would walk in and you'd be like, Hey, how was your day? And you're like, I, they'd be like, I stepped in a puddle. Yeah. They'd be like, well, you know, <laughs> on, on the way to collect my winnings, I stepped in a puddle and now my shoes wet and my sock is wet and my and toes are wrinkly. <laughs> I really hate when my toes are wrinkly. It's like, dude, you just won the lottery which is kind of how I feel when it comes to pelvic sanity. I'm like, dude, you're at the best freaking clinic. You are doing way more things. You just were on a ladder fixing your freaking, painting your freaking house when you came in here pretty practically in tears in a wheelchair. And it's like, he's still kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> um, so what do you do? You just let them do that, right? You just let them be who they are, but also... Try to, like for that guy, I make him tell me, I need you to start with, we're going to sandwich it. We're going to start with one thing good. We're going to tell all the things that are went wrong. And then we're going to end with one thing that also went like a summary of where you were at the beginning, right? So he'll, it'll be something like this. Well, I did a lot more yoga this week. And then five minutes of all of the things that still hurt and all the things that are wrong. And then if he forgets, I will still make him be like, okay. And then how does that compare to three months ago, six months ago, whatever it is? And he'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm sleeping way better. I can now sleep on my left side. And I make him say more things like that, right? And then we laugh about it. And then he goes back to his Debbie Downer situation for the whole rest of the appointment. And that's okay. That's the win that I'm looking for. 
And that's good. Cool. He's never going to come in and, like, jump for joy at anything. Yeah, he's not the one jumping and tapping his heels. And, yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Like, he's just not going to be like that. And so I can't, I'm not going to force him to be like that. I'm just going to let him be who he is and make... But now there have been times where I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. You're mean to tell me that not one good thing came out of this last week or... Like, he was one of the ones that, like, reading his evaluation and showing him the body chart and having him write another body chart of all the places that hurt was really eye-opening for him. Because it's hard. And if you all have never been in some sort of chronic pain or had a struggle like that, we don't get it. But patients sometimes need to visibly see the differences that they're making. And they would not even recognize the body chart that they filled in sometimes at the beginning. Oh, that's really cool. And then I guess this would be kind of similar for somebody who says that they're plateauing. Like, hey, I got a lot better in my first five visits, but from visit five to visit eight, visit ten, I'm, I'm, it's nothing's really changing. Yeah, and that again, that's another thing of is it true? Very well, might be at some points, especially if if you're kind of prescribing to subscribing to like my whole philosophy with like the phases of treatment, right? Phase one is fix the things. Phase two is figure it, or excuse me, phase one is figure it out. Phase two is fix the things. Phase three is add back in, which at some times you can, the change is more minuscule. You will get a huge change in phase two. And when you're in phase three, it's a lot harder to see because now their reality is completely different. And now the incremental changes that you're seeing are, are of the whole amount that you're going to change are, is very small, So another thing to really look at here is that, is that expected? It could very well be expected. And so if a patient comes back and questions that, I think I'm plateauing. It's like, sometimes the answer is, yeah, like that's what's going to happen at this phase. And yes, we still need to work together. And yes, we need to get you to this because this is where we're going with that. And this is how we're going to get you that lasting relief that you come to see us for. That totally makes sense to me, even as a non-clinician of, yeah, we fixed all of the easily fixable things. I already did that stuff. Like, of course, we did all of the stuff that was easy and... That stuff that wasn't there for that long, right? And if you think of people like an onion, where the most acute thing that they're coming, that made them come into pelvic PT in the first place is that is the lowest hanging fruit on the out... Hey, Jesse, lowest hanging fruit. He always says that phrase. But is the lowest hanging fruit on the outside layer of that onion. The reason why is usually much deeper into that core of that onion and hard to find and sometimes takes a freaking long ass time to change that. And that can come from... Because the more layers that you have on top of the core issue, the more difficult it is to keep that away, keep that pain away, keep that whatever. So, you know, and a lot of times like people will end up like going back in time almost from, so their symptom is, let's, let's just use this male pelvic pain example of testicular pain and penile pain with erection. That's the thing that finally got them to come into you. But because that was finally the thing that was bad enough and scary enough to be like, what the hell? My dick hurts. I need to go to this urologist and get a finger up my butthole, and like, oh my God, right? Think about how bad things have to be for a young guy to go into the urology office. Am I right, Jesse? Yeah, and I, I, that's actually a really interesting point too, and just the male-female dynamic. I feel like 
it's really pretty rare for us to get a male patient who has either quickly after symptoms developed or who has really mild symptoms. Yeah. You just don't see that, right? Because it's like, eh, we'll tough it out. It's like, there's, there's a lot of things that would have to happen before you say like, Hey, I'm going to, I really am going to go commit to getting this fixed. This is like a huge problem. And especially when you start doing some research and you know what the getting it fixed means is like internal rectal treatment. And it's like, Whoa, you have to be pretty bad to like be okay with that when you're 25 years old. Right. Really anytime. But Anyway, so there's that, right? There's the testicular pain, person came in with pain with erection, and really, once you get, this is why I'm so big on the why. This person, and this is another example, right, of somebody that I've been seeing now for a while, like, and some of his why behind that is a thoracic spine problem that made his breathing completely jacked and his pelvic floor not able to relax. So we have gotten his testicular pain, his penile pain. Great. He's got great erections. Yippee. But the reason why that is, and he sometimes will still get some of those flares when he is doing upper body workouts because of his mid thoracic dysfunction and ribcage dysfunction. And it's like, that's what we're working on. He didn't think to tell me that he had freaking pleurisy like 10 years ago. And some of the pain that he has when he takes a deep breath is reminiscent of the pleurisy back in the day. And that did not come up until I was seeing him for a freaking long ass time. And he could take a deep enough breath to induce that thing. That's the core of his problem right? That's what we're working on now. That's what's going to get him lasting relief. So he doesn't flare or plateau in my office. Like that's what we're talking about. Now he comes back into me and says, I'm not progressing. Or I feel like I'm saying the same thing now over the last few visits. I was like, yeah, guess what we're working on now? Guess what isn't there anymore? And guess how many times like the pattern has been reinforced from that and the fear and all of the central sensitization that's happened from that? Like, yeah, we're expecting you to be at this plateau right now. And that's okay. Is that okay with you? We have a big conversation about that. I graph it for him on the thing. Like, that's what we're talking about. And once we're both on the same page, he's feeling better. I'm feeling better. And now we're moving forward. But you can't have that conversation if you're taking stuff personally and you're getting defensive or you're feeling inadequate. Right. Totally. It's like, I'm super fine if somebody comes back and says that to me. I'm like, cool. Like, let's talk about it. I feel like that's actually a sign that they're paying attention. The person that's just blindly in on my table, like not saying anything, not asking anything of me. That's the person that I'm more worried about. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Totally. Uh, So... This is not just for work with patients, though. I mean, this is something I feel like Don Miguel would tell us, like, you can use this everywhere. This is something that we really try to think of in our interactions with employees, for you guys who work for somebody else. I mean, this is something that can really make your place of employment a better place, is realizing that these things aren't personal. Like, your boss is not up your ass about your productivity numbers because they don't like you. Or because they think you're a bad therapist, probably. And if they are for that reason, then that's their problem because they're not communicating what they do have a problem with well, right? It's not about you. It's about them, like always. And even when shitty stuff happens, right? 
if you really take it down to every aspect of your life, it can be game-changing, and no one's perfect at it at all. Don Miguel Ruiz wonderfully says that, like, it's a lifetime of a work in progress to get this stuff right because we're human (laughs) and because we have past experiences that color some of our current experiences and current ways that we react to stuff. But I think that ultimately, if we can look within ourselves first, if we can don't take things personally, if we can meet things with curiosity for patients that are flaring, for patients that aren't progressing, for patients that are plateauing, for towards your boss when they ask you a question about your schedule and you are like immediately like, oh my gosh, am I not doing a good job? Oh my gosh. It's like, no, that's they're at, you don't know why they're asking. And if you just ask the question like, hey, why are you asking? What's the deal? Then we start to have a much better conversation all around. So guys, if this has been helpful, we want to hear from you. Do you guys have any tips on not taking things personally or does any of this really resonate with you and feeling inadequate and defensive because of some of this stuff. So we'd love to hear from you guys about that. For those of you guys who are business owners, do want to remind you that for this week, the marketing for Pelvic Health course is still available. We have that for 850 bucks or a payment plan of 297 for three months. So you will actually make back that money before you end up having to pay it. So if you guys are a business owner and your schedule is not full, We obviously want you guys to be able to go out there, have the schedule that you want, but more importantly, be able to help more people find out about pelvic PT, pelvic OT, and be able to get some relief. So if you guys are interested in that, I'm going to put that link in the show notes as well, along with a copy of the four agreements. Yeah, Nicole, anything else? No, man, but this is like game changer. I'm telling you guys, pay attention to this. Listen to this podcast again. Like seriously, when you can... Get to the point where the immediate reaction is not, I suck or they're stupid. (laughs) Then we start to have more meaningful conversations with our patients and we can better help navigate flares, them not progressing, them plateauing, and it makes your job more fun. So that's all I got to say about that. Cool. Well, as always, guys, please reach out. Let us know what you thought about this episode. If you have ideas or thoughts or questions you'd like us to address in future episodes, we'd love to hear them. And let's always keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise.